The podcast of this local government meeting is brought to you by Michigan Radio. For more coverage of local government meetings and to find out how you can support this service, go to michiganradio.org. Okay, good. Make sure all the slides are passed out. Um, Start off with the introductions. Uh, So Art Thompson, Chief Information Officer for the City of Detroit. Robert Mellon, the Director of Public Safety. Robert Mellon, the Director of Public Safety for the City of Detroit. Public Safety IT, I'm sorry. Christine Burkett, Director of Digital Equity and Inclusion. Thank you, thank you. Um, And so just wanted to start off with a short presentation, um, really just kind of highlighting what we did this fiscal year, uh, what we plan to continue forward and do in the next fiscal year. Uh, And I believe a copy of the presentation is going to be shared uh, on Zoom. I think we're just waiting for someone to be promoted to panelist. Who's the person? Uh, It should be Amber Easton. All right, Ari, Amber Easton, if you can promote over, please. Um, So I'll jump into it, though, just while we get her set up. Uh, Just with the first slide, I promise not to move too fast, but not too slow. I know it is Friday. so for 2023, of course, uh, Do It is going to focus on what we've founded our mission on, uh, continuing business continuity, making sure that we're able to uh, foster innovation and collaboration, and then continuing to enhance our cybersecurity um, posture. That is, of course, one of the most utmost important things to me, uh, and I hope that carries through uh, with my team and everything we do. Uh, so next slide, Amber, if you don't mind. Uh, Just to highlight, my team is always hard at work, so I just want to kind of highlight some of the things that we did last year. Uh, On the cybersecurity side, over 26.5 million emails analyzed for threats, over 12.7 million threats detected and blocked, uh, 2 million panoramic images published from Detroit's very own Street View project. Uh, The Do It Digital Equity efforts launched the nation's most aggressive connectivity program, enrolling over 100,000 households. Uh, We actually led the nation in that, so very proud of the team and what they did there. Uh, 14 public new facing dashboards, again, increasing transparency for what we do here in the city. Uh, And then over 52,000 tickets served by Do It uh, for support and making sure that we continue operations. Uh, This year, Uh, Next slide. I'm sorry. Uh, This year we're going to be focusing uh, still on filling positions. Uh, We have filled uh, seven positions this last year via internal promotions. Uh, I have a strong belief in making sure that we give uh, our internal candidates the opportunity to advance their career. Uh, In the last month, uh, we've made seven job offers, and I know I have two pending, so we're trying to aggressively fill positions. Uh, And our turnover rate, knock on wood, very proud to say that we're actually below the nation's average Um, for turnover in this very challenging technical market. Uh, And then, of course, thank you to recruitment because we work very closely with them to make sure we can fill positions. Next slide, please. Uh, On the uh, engagement side, just kind of, again, highlighting do it in the department as a whole. Uh, We had one of the highest response rates at 93%. Um, We had an employee engagement of 85% versus the actual public sector norm, which is right around 60%. Uh, and then our diverse equity and inclusion score of 85% was extremely high and a customer service score of 94%. Um, next slide for me. Uh, 
this year in our budget, um, kind of the major additions and changes to our budget that you're going to see, uh, working with OCFO and budget, we've moved all technical aspects uh, centralized for management and oversight. Uh, so for 23, you'll see uh, what we did last year was the DPD uh, technology. We've centralized that. We've also taken uh, some of the expenses from non-departmental uh, that are enterprise things such as Oracle uh, and centralized those into the do-it budget. Next slide, please. Um, and then, of course, you know, we have received your questions. I got a couple more uh, just earlier today, so we're making sure that they are finalized, uh, and we will get those back to you guys as soon as possible. I want to make sure I acknowledge that. Um, and just in closing, um, again, we're, we're very concerned about some of the macro trends that are happening in IT. Every single cost is rising, whether it be hardware, software, uh, we're seeing that just occur across the board. Uh, so we are trying to take a hard look at what we do have internally, where we can build synergy uh, and maximize what we have without asking for a lot new tools, without maximizing what we currently have in place. Um, and then, of course, the sophistication and escalation of cyber threats that, again, continues to be a large trend and a large area that uh, all technology, but all businesses need to really be uh, on a keen eye for because it is getting more and more advanced. Um, and then, of course, I, uh, you know, based on the budget that you guys do have before you, I feel like we have uh, the adequate needs to continue to support and maintain the city of Detroit. And that is it. All right. Thank you for the presentation. And <clears throat> we're going to go straight to questions now from council members, and we'll start with Council Member Young. Thank you, Madam President. Always good to see you guys. How you doing? Good to see you. Good afternoon. Uh, I just wanted to ask you, um, I'm reading through your digital access policy plan, and I'm really excited about it. I just wanted to ask you, I, I'm, start, I'm struggling to get information in terms of what the percentage of people who do not have access to the Internet is in the city of Detroit. And I know that you're going to connect. And for what I read, it would take $15 million to build 87 miles of fiber optic throughout the city. And so I want to know, if we were going to connect the whole entire city, how much would that cost? Is that something that's that you're looking at paying down through the budget? Or is that part of the bond program that was issued in order to pay for that? Uh, so uh, through the chair, and I apologize because it's a very convoluted answer. Uh, reason being is we have, when you talk about building out fiber infrastructure, right. uh, you have the middle mile, which is usually the least expensive cost. Um, you know, to build down Gratiot is a lot cheaper than to turn around and do what we call the end mile, and that is to actually build out to the residential homes. Okay. Uh, that cost for the entire city, when we estimated, would be about a billion dollars. Um, so we we kind of paused our, our breaks, and I, I'm not asking anyone for a billion. Uh, we're not ready to go down that path for, <laughs> by any means. Um, but what we are trying to do is, uh, with the utilization of ARPA funds, we've highlighted uh, Hope Village uh, area, and I believe it's District 2, uh, where we're going to do uh, that end mile project and middle mile. Right. Uh, and it's roughly, we're expecting to cost us around $11 million. Uh, and, you know, thankfully that bid is on the streets right now, so we're very excited for that. Uh, I believe it's April 20th that we uh, get the bids back, so we'll be reviewing that, and that'll be our first pilot area. Okay, excellent. And then secondly, I just wanted to ask, um, did you want to say, no, oh, God, okay, make sure. And then secondly, uh, yeah, I didn't want to miss anybody. Secondly, I wanted to ask you, are you partnering up or are you talking to the office of uh, 
the chief of mobility and innovation technology, are you doing anything in terms of um, connected automated vehicles? Are, are, are you doing anything in terms of, you know, um, next generation technology in, ter- in, in that regard? Is there any partnership at all? Uh, yes, through the chair, absolutely. Um, so one of my big initiatives and the reason I asked Ms. Christine Burkett to be here, uh, she is one week into the position to Two if we're lucky, Um, but two weeks into the position. uh, And so I wanted to bring her to the table because she's got a lot of unique ideas of what we're going to do. So I'm going to be connecting her with Tim Slusser uh, and also our partners at the state. Uh, But Tim and I have really talked a lot about how we leverage that fiber plan that we want to do, making sure that if we dig in this city, it can't just be for one purpose. We all have a common goal, uh, and that is to make Detroit more advanced. Uh, so, you know, Tim and I are definitely trying to make sure that as we build things out, we want to map out what he's trying to do and make sure that we can build synergy uh, any time that we dig something up. So uh, I know in the mayor's state of the city, he addressed uh, the new road uh, that we're very excited about down Michigan Ave. Uh, we're trying to look at, as we do charging infrastructure, um, you know, how can we maximize? A lot of them like cellular connectivity when they're solo, but if we have areas that are going to have multiple, uh, we obviously want to bring fiber, and then I want to leverage that fiber for other needs as well. So we are trying to make sure that we're in sync. Is there, and this is my final question, is there any um, partnerships at all? I, I, I would assume you probably partner with the, with the private sector, but is there any sort of partnerships or talks about, you know, having more towers for 5G or being connected with 5G at all? Uh, yes. Um, w- w- on the cellular side, we, we don't have a lot of say. It's really up to uh, the cellular carriers on where they're having that density and where they're trying to maximize. Right. Um, so I don't get to do a lot there, uh, but I definitely do try to meet with them and just make sure that we're in the loop and understanding. Uh, if it's something where we can sh- share infrastructure, we're happy to. Usually if I'm meeting with a carrier, though, uh, I'm trying to pound my fist on the table and tell them that I only want fiber buried in the ground. I do not like overhead wires. I do not like to see Detroit, you know, be outdated with that type of activity. Um, so usually I'm trying to push for a standard. I, I don't dabble a lot in where they're putting their towers. Thank you. Appreciate it. Thank you, Madam President. No problem. Thank you, Member Young. President Pro Tem Tate. Madam President, out of the interest of I will place all of my questions in writing. Okay. Thank, Thank you, you all for being here. Thank you. Member Johnson. Thank you, Madam President. So I just wanted to delve a little deeper into the infrastructure. Um, And so I know, you know, there's some ARPA funding allotted for it, and you said you don't want to ask for a billion dollars, but if you have, do you have a plan where um, you're looking to over a decade or however long um, to implement the infrastructure so that it's reaching our neighborhoods? And so can you talk about that and what that looks like? Absolutely. And we do, we did publish um, kind of our feasibility study that I'll make sure your office gets. Uh, we'll share that to you mentally uh, or immediately. Um, but the, the plan with this uh, Hope Village Fiber Plan is to make sure that we get the proof of concept in place. Um, you know, our perfect plan is to have this self-generating for revenue and be able to self-sustain itself and then grow over time. Um, so that we can, one, make sure that we minimize costs, that I have to stay true to that value. I do not want to come to the table and tell residents that they have to pay $60, $70 a month so that I can build it up further. Um, So we're really focusing on that proof of concept, but the model that we lay out in that plan 
is one where we can have that self-generate, the revenue stays internally, and then we can actually use those funds to build out further and further into the city. Um, and then we're seeing a lot of great things from the federal government uh, that are allowing private-public partnerships so that we can start to map out and plan out where else can we do this, who can we partner with, and expand it. Um, so we are looking at that. I know the Robin Grant uh, is one right now with the state. Uh, we have the bead funding that's also coming down the pipeline uh, where we're looking to make sure that we can get involved and maximize that effort to see Detroit continuously grow out. It doesn't just stop with this ARPA investment. Okay, excellent, because I know we all know that there's a tremendous need and to really reduce the cost of um, Internet, for especially for a lot of our residents throughout the neighborhood. So would love to see the plan as you look to develop it and as it evolves. Um, I have another question, and I'm not sure if this is specific for you. Um, it's around the Improved Detroit app. Is there a plan to improve the app so that by adding more issues that residents can report use, using the app? It seems to be that recently um, the categorical issues have, have changed and they're a little bit more limited and I guess not as defined or specific as um, concerns are. So are you able to adjust that? Can we start to drill down into uh, issues so that residents can enter it and it gets immediately to the appropriate department and they're able to respond quicker? Yes, uh, through the chair, absolutely. In fact, um, Brad Dick, our new chief operating officer, uh, actually approached me on this on, on day one and said, you know, this is great, but how do we make it even better? Um, and so definitely, you know, we want to take step and make sure that we focus on the workflow and make sure that we're not just creating things that aren't going to be adequately followed up through. Uh, so actually this year, that is an initiative that both Brad and I have said we want to take a look at. So um, if there's recommendation or areas where you say, hey, are th these type of complaints are coming to my office, you know, what, what can you do to help? Uh, would love that feedback because definitely we want to build that out further. We will certainly provide it. Thank, Thank you, you so much. Thank you, Madam President. All right. Thank you, Member Johnson. Member Durhoff. Uh, thank you, Madam President, and good afternoon. I'll be very brief as well. I know we still have public comments. It's been a very long day. Uh, glad you mentioned the $1.7 billion that is on in the state. Uh, hopefully, we are reaching out to them and getting trying to get some of that money to come down here so we can improve our infrastructure as well. Um, that being said, though, just have a one quick question. Uh, just typically about the department. How are we balancing... Uh, the needs uh, that we have for investment in other new software, uh, other new programs, and then balancing that with the maintenance of what we already have and, and uh, building new infrastructure as well. Uh, how, we, how are we working on that? What kind of ideas do we have with that? Obviously, IT is ever fast and changing. You know, you can buy a software program today and it's no good tomorrow. Just, you know, deal with iPhones. You know that. So, uh, but how, how are we you know, developing that balance. Uh, th through the chair, luckily, uh, I haven't switched the city to iPhones because everyone would be like me trying to upgrade every year. Um, but, uh, you know, luckily, we, we take a very serious approach to it. Even with uh, our investment in ARPA, uh, we try to do a 10-year cost analysis for many of the projects that we propose and make sure that, one, we're solving for a problem, but two, after ARPA's gone, that we're able to make sure that the investment is sustainable. You know, the last thing I want to do is say I can solve a problem bring a software in that we can only afford during ARPA, uh, and then after that we can't. 
Uh, so I really try to make sure that we prioritize based on our customers or department needs, um, but also looking at everything from a security approach as well, because a lot of the legacy softwares that we uh, have started to retire and get rid of, um, you know, those need to be at immediate cost and that's something that we take on and ASAP, you know. So uh, we try to look at departmental need, uh, cost structure, though, and to make sure because, you know, it's it's a hard place to be where we're always trying to play catch-up, i.e., you know, chat, uh, GTP. Uh, we're not ready. We're not going down that pipe hole, you know. Uh, so there's a lot of new and innovative things that are happening that we want to be cautious on. I love innovation. I love to push the forefront. Um, but you, you just can't gamble, uh, you know, in our sector. So we try to make sure to take a deep look at everything we do that's new. And just a, just a very quick comment. I know this is an OCFO procurement type of thing. If we're looking for new software, please find someone some, something for Oracle. Uh, <laughs> we get a lot of complaints uh, relative to Oracle, whether that's employees, whether that's through our CDBG process that we've recently went through about Oracle not necessarily being as user-friendly and or efficient uh, as we would like it to be. So it's just more so of a comment. Uh, I don't know what other programs are out there. That's not my lane. That's your lane. Uh, but, you know, hopefully looking towards the alternatives, that, that would be great to find something uh, that would be a little bit better than that or serve the needs of residents as well as those who work here. Uh, and then finally, let me just say I appreciate uh, the understanding about the utilization of ARPA dollars. Uh, those are one-time dollars that we may not see again. Uh, so I'm glad that you're thinking in a sensitive way, understanding that if you utilize them to build something that needs long-term sustainability, those dollars may not come back around. So I, I do appreciate that. Thank you, Madam President. Thank you, Member Durhaw. Uh, Member Waters. Thank you, uh, Madam President. Uh, I'll be quick. So um, ditto to Member Durhall going for going after those um, federal and state grants and so forth. I do like that. Um, so can you tell us uh, what contracts are given to Detroit-based businesses and what percentage of all contracts are given to Detroit-based businesses for fiscal year 22, 23, and 24, you know? I, I do have to just turn to see if my OCP uh, partners are here because I knew they were working on pulling that report for us okay. uh, so that we would have those exact numbers. <laughs> and so I will make sure we submit those in writing um, as we did see that question okay. come across. Uh, but we are definitely, no matter what the number is, ma'am, yeah. uh, I want you to know that we are increasing our outreach. Okay. We are going out and trying to meet with more and more businesses. Um, and I've had businesses reach out to my office. As you guys come across technology, uh, partners, I beg to please push them my way. If you give them my cell phone, I am appreciative okay. because I want to get people in our portal, even though sometimes it's a little difficult to navigate Oracle. Uh, I want to make sure that we get them enrolled and get them aware of the opportunities that the city has to offer because I need more technology businesses here in Detroit. Okay, fantastic. I'm glad to hear that. We've been trying to enroll some ourselves. Um, so what cybersecurity improvements are planned and how they will be rolled out to prevent breaches and financial losses like what happened with the Detroit Public Library? Uh, yes, through the chair. Uh, so a, a huge part of what we try to look at is making sure that our um, best tactic is our employees. Uh, so this year you will see the rollout of a training software to identify phishing, uh, email scams, that kind of thing, uh, so that our users are all better aware of what's out there uh, and they can recognize it sooner. Uh, our first line of defense isn't always technology. Sometimes it's just the person 
even with the cell phone answering. Um, so definitely looking to make sure that we educate our staff more, mm -hmm. making sure that they're better equipped and more aware. Uh, that's my biggest initiative. Um, we do a lot of new hire orientation, making sure that we're there for every new staff that gets hired, uh, talking about cybersecurity. Um, and then we take a look internally at where we can, you know, not always spend money, but maybe just spend time and, and patch servers, making sure we're on top of that, making sure we're on top of uh, just kind of the basic security needs that have to be implemented. Um, and then we're always exploring new technologies and trying to just be smart about what we go after. Um, so we definitely look to our partners on how we can make ourselves more secure. But my first step is to make sure that our staff understands the threats. Our staff understands what's happening. Um, and a lot of the times it's just an operational change or process that we can help uh, identify and mitigate that risk. Wonderful. Thank you, Madam President. Great. Thank you. Uh, and just a quick question for me. We have questions we'll submit in writing. Um, can you provide an update on the Federal Emergency Broadband Benefit Program? From my understanding, it did end, but it may have continued as well to, be, to become a permanent uh, program for low-income households. And so just want to know if you have an update on that program and if the community and residents are aware of it. Yeah. Um, and, uh, Christine, I may bug you to... Uh, correct me or jump in, but I do know that it was extended. I do not believe that they have finalized whether or not it will be permanent. Okay. Um, so it, it's still kind of in the wind of what that final outcome is going to be. Um, but we have, just as soon as yesterday, Christine and I met with some partners uh, about what they're doing to make sure that there is affordable options after this mm -hmm. and how we can partner together as a city and really give people some opportunity outside of relying on the federal government for that. All right, and just so that people understand what it is, it offers a discount, if you can just explain on... Internet services, technology? Abs yep. Absolutely. Um, so any any of your internet services uh, providers, whether you have one, um, sorry, AT&T, Comcast, mm -hmm. uh, you can actually get a subsidy uh, or a discount on your internet bill uh, to lower the cost of the residential internet. Right. And anything you want to add there? No, it's, it's um, right now it's on Connect 313, oh, the different oh, services. So if they go to Connect 313 on website, you'll see all the different providers there and in what services and at what cost. Yeah. All right. Thank you. Um, I think that is it. Uh, any additional questions from members? All right. Hearing none, we appreciate you guys. Keep up the great work and uh, looking forward to the responses uh, in writing. And with that, we will conclude your uh, discussion. And thank you for being here. Thank you. You all have a blessed day. You as well. All right. We will turn it over to public comment. How many uh, callers do we have? Madam President, we have 12 callers online. All right. Um, Yvonne, real quick. You don't have to stay if you don't want to. Mm -hmm. If you want to, you can, but they may they may talk about the previous hearing as well, too, so, yeah. Never mind, I just told them. <laughs> Would you like to come first? Hmm? Oh, I'm sorry. Cindy Dara, you can, you can come first since you're here, and we will let you speak first. You have two minutes for public comment. Uh, okay, on the... All right. Uh, I I uh, have had uh, lived in in houses I got 
and bought a house next to it that had been stripped completely. Uh, so I, I think it's unreasonable to require uh, somebody with a, a land bank house to invest in a furnace and all that without being able to stay in there to guard the stuff. It's one thing to require a good roof, good porch, you know, good steps, and, uh, you know, an, an uh, outside without litter, but uh, for a new owner that's trying to get, the, but the roof's the most important thing. You know, and if you get somebody to get the roof on, I don't, I don't think that, that you should be requiring all that stuff that they're saying at one time. And they need to, uh, they're going to look into, I talked to them about looking into the Homestead Act that, that helped settle Kansas and Nebraska, I think Oklahoma. And uh, they, uh, according to Biden, when he came here as a junior citizen, uh, senator, he, he uh, said that we could maybe use that act right here. This is years and years ago. Uh, and also, I, I'm kind of uh, discouraged about you're saying that houses are worth three times as much in a very short time. Well, what's that going to do to gentrify when you look into the future with the way our taxes are? If you're going to keep increasing the values, it doesn't. We're protected by the Headley Amendment, but the next buyer is not. So what? Look down the road a little bit. I just think that it's. Uh, I mean, that's that's a lot. I used to think thirty-five thousand was a lot for a house, and I and how people could afford to live in the suburbs. I didn't understand. But um, anyway, that's just some of the things. Uh, I'd like you to get the innovation department to look into how we can have internet, internet supplied by the city and, and also to, to take that app from the parking authority and put Cindy. it under the innovation department. This app does not work for the parking authority. Okay, we appreciate you. Thank you for uh, being here, Ms. Dara. And we will turn it over to our uh, public comment online. I'm sorry, what? Madam President, the next caller online will be phone number ending in 973. So I'll try and send you my notes. Okay. But I don't, never had time. Hello, good, can you hear me? Yes, we can. Good afternoon. Yes. Hi, good afternoon. Good afternoon to President Sheffield. Uh, and to this honorable board, I wanted to just make the, the comments. Thank you for uh, holding the land bank accountable. Um, and I want to thank also. I just wanted to state that there were two articles in the paper this year. Detroit pays 1.5 million. Uh, the Detroit land bank pays 1.5 million uh, to the feds to settle demolition claims. And I know there was an article last year. Uh, if you sold a Detroit land, if you were sold a Detroit land bank house without water, who's responsible? And so, just like Council Person Mary Waters was stating, the land bank. I was at the meeting, um, and I mentioned this before, when our director Gary Brown was trying to hold them accountable when they were selling homes to Detroit residents without pipes under the homes. And this is what one of the articles addressed. So when you have a disrespect to the community um, like that, you do not need to exist anymore. I was reading the history. I know at one point you existed before the bankruptcy, but when you disrespect residents like that, you just should no longer exist. 
you should not be funded because if you're you were selling homes, which the article stated, um, and it was stated at the meeting, you were selling homes to homes that were unlivable to the residents of the city of Detroit. So my comment is that that's a major comment of mine with mine. When you disrespect the body, which is the honorable board of the city council, and you disrespect the mayor is not over everything. He's not over everything. So, um, and I know it was mentioned before, so you don't, you do not need to exist. Uh, you need to find other employment, no, no disrespect to the director anywhere else. And I know she took the job after with all the issues, but I know councilman, uh, one of the council persons stated the big boogeyman. No, they're still the big boogeyman. So I just wanted to make that uh, response. Thank you for taking my call. Thank you. Our next caller is African Town and Eastern Market. Hello, can you hear me? Yes, we can. Good afternoon. Hi. Good afternoon, everybody. Um, Detroit Affordable Housing Task Force and Homeless Homeless Task Force, uh, and the Coalition for Property Tax Justice. Uh, I'm listening at the the land bank. Uh, I want to know uh, how many of those houses are are, are uh, homes that were illegally foreclosed and stolen from the public. Uh, before they should be given or offered to anybody for sale, they need to be given back to the people that were illegally foreclosed on. You need to perhaps, uh, I, and I would strongly suggest that you get a, a special committee together, find out who all were illegally foreclosed on, find those persons and make them whole. There's never going to be justice with uh, there's never going to be peace without justice. And you claim to be about uh, be a, a God fearing people. But the, the legacy homes that you illegally foreclosed on knew it and continue to walk around like ain't nothing happened. Those ancestors are coming to get you. I hope you know that. And then the the uh, apartment building where the three rappers were found dead, uh, uh, rest their souls. Uh, that that apartment building was easily accessible for whomever killed them three young men in there. Shouldn't the lay if the land bank owned that or city owned that apartment building? I think that's in your district, uh, um, Councilwoman Callaway, and you're doing a great job. Uh, why don't you just clean that apartment building up? And and allow homeless people and illegally foreclosed people to have somewhere to live so they're not out here in the streets after you did them so bad by illegally foreclosing their home. Not you personally, but the city and the administration. You know, this is a crime that has occurred here. And uh, the homeless people are the people who have been illegally foreclosed on. I'd like for you to look at that. Thank you. Have a blessed day. All right. Thank you. Our next caller is Betty A. Varner. Good afternoon. Uh, I would like to say I was happy to hear the conversation uh, with the land bank in regards to uh, maybe having some type of program to assist residents who have taken on the responsibility to cut vacant lots that are in their neighborhood. Uh, my Black Club, the Sodell's World Black Association, I would like to make it a matter of record for multiple years. We have been uh, cutting vacant lots 
within a certain boundary in my neighborhood. And we pay to have it done. Now we do have someone that's working with us and it's not uh, charging us top dollar, but it is still expensive because we're working with our black club, our dudes. So uh, to have some assistance in that uh, type of uh, project would really be helpful. And we decided it was a problem because uh, it said that the uh, lots are cut five times a year, but in our neighborhood, it was not happening. And so we said, we're gonna step up and be assistance to the land bank and the city, whoever gets the contractors and cut these lots. And so uh, very happy to hear that. I'm hoping that will be continued uh, conversations and there will be some type of monies afforded to assist organizations and residents who accept that responsibility because we want our neighborhoods to look nice. And uh, if we've stepped up, you know, and so the city or the land bank can step up. And also I'm hoping that the program, I think I heard y'all say the program for the internet is ending. That's a very good program and I hope it doesn't end because I'm... Our next caller is Black Jesus. Good afternoon. Afternoon, everyone. Um, now, there is precedent here in the city of Detroit for stopping and halting illegal bond payments. Crafty Mike. The little leprechaun down on the 11th floor knows all about it. Him and Cap Crafty Conrad have filed a lawsuit against Bishop Marvin Winans of Perfecting Church and Perfecting Church being a nuisance in the community, which is total BS. Now, all you BS blackface political figures, which are titles, who ran for office and got elected. Mary Sheffield, James Tate, Scott Benson, y'all approved these illegally issued municipal bonds to the tune of hundreds of millions of dollars. Now we just heard Tammy Daniels, and it does not escape my attention that both the land bank and the demolition department are headed up by black females. Now I'm all for DEI and Mary Waters. What you spoke of was a Mac hand. They showed you no respect when you called, but when Mike called, they jumped. Now I learned the game from Bill Bobo. For those of you who know who Bill Bobo is, he was a whole Detroit legend. Now, what we got going on with Crafty Mike and Crafty Conrad following this lawsuit against the bishop and perfecting church for being a nuisance when he was not afforded the opportunity and the same as related in Olympia. Y'all need to do something to stop this nonsense.
Our next caller is Carol Hughes. Good afternoon, honorable body. Uh, through the chair, may I speak? Yes, ma'am. Okay. Well, I want to diddle what the very first caller said. First of all, we have told you for, I don't know for how long, that we wanted you to get rid of the land bank. Here they are with the MOU asking for more money. You mean the $11 million in salaries? How many people do they have working for them? That's a lot of money, plus what we pay out. And I'm going to tell you, the houses that they have in the neighborhoods are bringing down the neighborhoods. I was next door to one that they didn't cut the lawn for mm, maybe once a year. <laughs> so they are causing blight in the neighborhoods. They are not giving equal access to everyone. Hence, the MOUs with this 2015 holding up of 42 houses for certain people. Um, that is something that needs to be looked into, as well as the stout report that showed that they had some serious issues with money. And I guess the court thought the same way because they were fined. Now, what do you do about that city council? Well, you don't renew the MOU. You bring it back in-house. You bring it back into a trust. If you look at who has land banks, you'll find that they're all in major cities with majority black ADOS people. It's nothing but a way to steal our wealth in different ways. And one way is to foreclose on our houses illegally and then give them over to other people. And that is what is going on in the land bank. So if you understand that, you will stop it. So the other, do it, do it. That was a 1994-96 law. And um, you can start a training program to start people to get their Bixies through Focus Hope. And that would have people already ready to go in this do it program that live in Detroit. Thank you. Thank you, Ms. Hughes. Our next caller is Ruth Johnson. All right, good afternoon, Ms. Johnson. Good afternoon, may I be heard? Yes, ma'am. Ruth Johnson from Community Development Advocates of Detroit. My first question is really for all the budget hearings. To the extent that the departments are showing PowerPoints, where will those PowerPoints be posted on the city website and when? How soon after the budget hearing? I would recommend just to make it for easy for everyone if it could be put in on the uh, city council's uh, webpage uh, or at least reference it so we don't have to look and also make it within a timely manner. Concerning the Detroit uh, Land Bank Authority, um, I'm concerned about the land bank competing with the HRD mission about rehabbing, preserving, or even uh, doing anything like that, or even competing with funds and resources, whether MISHTA, ARPA, or any other. I think uh, that to the extent that the land bank is proposing to stray from the, the primary statutory uh, powers they have, that that should be looked at closely by the city because the authority does not have the accountability, transparency, and oversight or public engagement requirements that our elected officials and uh, public bodies have, public 
uh, city bodies. I also am concerned about that balancing that Ms. Daniels talked about, because that goes back to whether balancing the interests of renters versus those who want secure title or other things, uh, it, it shows that it should be accountable to elected officials and public city agencies. We're also losing institutional knowledge and, and maybe squandering some of the public trust in that even with the improvements to customer service, I don't sense for anecdotally that people really do trust. Last, as we look forward to the future of the land bank and a future MOU, let us be very, very conservative and cautious about giving them additional money to do things that the city and city employees can do. All right. Thank you, Ms. Johnson. Our next caller is William M. Davis. Good afternoon. Can I be heard? Yes, sir. What'd you say? I said, yes, sir. Oh, okay. Well, let me start off with the land bank. Uh, the land bank should not exist. It should cease to exist. The land bank is the most hated institution in the city of Detroit. You know, they get preferential treatment. Uh, they do not, they may cut the front yard. They don't cut the backyard. We have rodents and all sorts of horrible conditions to make easier for crime. You know, they, they could live right next, you know, they could have a structure right next to a home, but the, the house next to it, the, this a Detroit resident has, they have to pay drainage fees. The, the land bank, they don't have to pay drainage fees. They don't have to do anything. Just suck up city money. It should, you should eliminate all authorities that y'all can. Uh, and let me move on to uh, uh, my other concern about with the last one. You know, uh, I, I did a, uh, an op-ed in the Detroit News back in July 7th of uh, last year. It said, you know, saying that Detroit shouldn't throw taxpayers' money at broadband projects. I told the mayor this months before that, but, you know, the mayor does not care. He just wants to still or uh, appropriate as much money as he can because, you know, you have a lot more kickbacks available. But... If you read the article, uh, like almost 10 years ago, the Detroit filed for bankruptcy. And, and like I say, if you build a broadband, all of the, the counties and cities that build it end up being in debt or on the verge of bankruptcy. I don't want the city to go back into bankruptcy. As it is, I'm still being robbed in the last bankruptcy. But, you know, there's monies available with the Biden Build Back Better because Detroit now, we had a, 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 an affair February 28th over Focus Hope in Hope Village that was very successful because um, uh, there's monies available. You, you know, people can visit apcbenefits.org where they can sign up, where they can see about getting a $30 credit. You know, a whole lot more could and should be done by this city council and this mayor to help the people right now. Mr. Davis. Our next caller is Bobby Johnson. Good afternoon, Ms. Johnson. Yes. Good afternoon. Um, one thing about the land bank that I one thing about the land bank that I would like to know is that okay, where is this money going? When they sell all these houses, where is it going? Also, when we're foreclosing on houses. We need to know how many houses are being foreclosed for blight tickets. We have a lot of shady stuff going on, how people are losing their houses for blight tickets. And then it's being foreclosed, put on their taxes where they can't already pay their taxes. 
another thing about the land bank. Why is it that in certain neighborhoods, the land banks takes off the addresses of the property that is in that neighborhood. They also don't cut the grass. They also don't do anything around that and just let it go all the way down where it is a perfectly good, good property or a house. Another thing that I do want to talk about, and it's not about the land bank, it's about the budget process. And it's about that district Detroit. When we're talking about the district Detroit, you went and got a neighborhood organization when that district has a CAC. Those CAC members should have been brought into the table to talk about anything that is going on because that's an investment that is solely in that district. So before we go squandering our money and spending our money, we need to start following our charters and following the law. Everybody else has to follow the law. Everybody else has to go through certain little hops and scoops and jump. The city council needs to start following the law. With that district of Detroit, your CAC should be the one that's sitting up there, not no Kenlock and no developers. No, the people have elected a CAC, put them up there for that district Detroit and let them make the CBA. Thank you, Ms. Uh, Ms. Johnson. Our next caller is phone number ending in 711. Good afternoon, caller 711. Madam President, they're unmuted, but I don't hear anything. All right, caller 711. We can come back to this caller, please. Our next caller is phone number ending in 534. All right, caller 534. Good afternoon. Hello, can you hear me? Yes, we can. Can you hear me? Yes, we can hear you. Okay. Um, last year, we got to do a public comment after each hearing, and you just gave yourself a raise, so really, this is not cool. You didn't call me on the last hearing. I had my hand raised on uh, two two numbers. I have a witness. Bring the land bank back in-house. This is like they've been a disaster. Um, Ms. Daniels told some things that are not true. The, whole, the land bank is not the holder of last resort. I know people that asked to buy property. They wouldn't sell it to them. I'm one of them. Uh, they, have damaged, they have demolished salvageable homes. They've done it to, for their secretly planned developments, just like the secretly planned North End Landing. And I went to the land bank for years, and they would just feign ignorance to my face. I now know. Director Tammy Daniels refuses to respond to me about an inquiry about how one of my neighbors got screwed over. And um, um, the and the last uh, counsel, their last lawyer, uh, misinformed Mary Sheffield's office, but she don't seem to want to deal with that. Now, the situation with Bishop Marvin Winans is an absolute disgrace, disparate treatment. Uh, the house Garland Gilchrist bought and didn't fix up, and then the land bank let him, he got, got it for about 13500 then the land bank let him sell it for about 180000 even though he didn't fix it up, still ain't fixed up. And it isn't even a house, it's a multi-unit. 
So, folks, really, Julie Schneider from HRD doesn't have the courage to speak with me because she knows she was in on the secretive planning or her department. Also, 498 Peterborough that the city took out of the tax auction. Cindy Dare took care of that lot for over 10 years. And Arthur Jameson went ahead and gave it to them while we were waiting for an for Office of Inspector General report that, surprise, surprise, took over two years to get. And they went ahead and transferred it anyway after Jameson's secretary said, oh, well, we're waiting. For the for the OIG report too, but they went ahead and did it. I saw Mr. Jamison in the street, and then he just ran away. All right, thank you, Ms. Warwick. Madam President, I'm circling back to phone number ending in seven one one. All right. Good afternoon, caller seven one one. Going once. Going twice. Do we have anybody else in the queue? Yes, Madam President. Let's come back to 711. Okay. Our next caller is Renard Monshinsky. All right. Good afternoon, Renard Monshinsky. Uh, good afternoon, Madam President. Can I be heard? Yes, you can. Okay. Uh, good afternoon, Madam President and members of council. I uh, just want to keep my comment brief. Um, really interested in the activities of the Department of um, IT and seeing how they could um, investigate providing municipal Wi-Fi in um, underserved neighborhoods and areas where internet access is expensive. I'm not sure if that's the purview of that office, but was curious to see if there's any ARPA funds or even permanent funds from the city that can support a program such as municipal uh, Wi-Fi uh, that can be used by residents um, that do not have good internet coverage. Um, I want to yield the rest of my time. Um, that was pretty much the gist of my comments. Thank you. Great. Thank you so much, Renard. Is that the end? Madam President, our last caller is Rhonda Adams. Okay. Good afternoon, Ms. Adams. Madam President, Ms. Adams just needs to unmute. All right, Ms. Good afternoon, Ms. Yes. yes, 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 yes. Hi, everyone. Uh, I just wanted to bring out the point there does need to be an exit strategy uh, in place for the land bank. Also, looking at other um, um, interests that could go, you know, sour in reference to um, gaining more leverage than you guys in reference to making the decisions for the land and the property thus far left for the Detroiters to uh, consume and capitalize on for the best interest of the whole in our community. So putting it in one contractor's hand is not necessarily good. And then for the um, emphasis of the um, sour deal that happened um, with the widenings and how um, uh, constituents keep bringing that up, um, there are other opportunities available to assist with nonprofit benefit trusts to uh, assist with uh, that to help uh, the winers to come out of that. So surrounding himself, surround you guys and the community will help him. Uh, there are other avenues outside of the DDA to uh, bring about some things to help with that uh, project. So need to just look at that and uh, consider all the things, as I said before, how you all can continue to uh, help the machinations to favor the stakeholders that stayed and has been resilient from the day from day one. Okay. That's all I wanted to say. All right, thank you. Appreciate you. 
And that's it. All right. That will conclude public comment. And uh, that is it for today, uh, Mr. Whit uh, Mr. Whitaker. Mr. Corley, any comments, any housekeeping things regarding the budget, or are we good to go? Good? Okay. All right. All right. Thank you again to all of my colleagues for your patience for today. We will conclude. Uh, our next budget hearing will resume on Monday. Our first one will be at 10 a.m. All right, everyone have a blessed weekend. Be safe. Thank you all. This meeting will stand adjourned.